everything about human brain is interesting. Knowledge of the genes that they are involved in schizophrenia and that's really great i think it's really really exciting time to work on this disorder i had two years of in the making to quit a phd because it was really hard it's like i never talked about it actually i never wrote even the post about it because i felt like i just kind of talked without tears for like a really long time hi ugna how are you thank you for joining me today so happy Hi, that you're thank here. You, thank you so much for the invitation. It's very lovely to be here. It's the first time someone invited me to talk on a podcast. So Of course. Oh, that's great. That's great. I think nice uh, experience. You, will have, you will have more invitations in the future <laughs> once you progress with your studies. Um, yeah. How is it time. going? Where, where are you now? I'm at home. I'm in Sweden. I live in are Sweden, Sweden? Okay. in Malmö. And uh-huh. I work in Copenhagen University, so I commute every day. It's a short commute. Hmm? Is it? Oh, see? Yeah, okay. it's through the bridge. It's the most expensive commute in the world by the money of all the ticket, but it's very short. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Uh, I see, I see. That's that's very interesting. Cause, so why why don't you just live in Copenhagen? If... Um, It's circumstantial because... Mm. Um, I mean, okay. my partner lives in Sweden, so... <laughs> I see, I see, I see. Okay, okay, I understand. Um, and how's the weather there right now? Very bad. Actually, this week <laughs> it's been the worst since a few years. It was oh, raining really? every day, all day, and it's raining now. Raining, okay. Raining. It's, mm. it's next to the sea. It doesn't snow here very much. So I see, I see. How was your, your transition to the new year? I hope you had a good transition. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I just uh, was just at home with uh, family mostly, mm, and uh, it was very have... calm this year. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah. family time is the best time, right? And then yeah. after all the COVID stuff that was going on, but yeah, I really appreciate it because uh, during COVID it was very hard to see anyone. And mm. uh, actually, last November I lived in Berlin for a really long time, really? and uh, yeah, and I saw some friends after three years not mm. seeing them. So that was crazy, and just yes. because of Corona and all the regulations. Yeah, so. I hope it's now behind us and. Uh... We will never like have to relive something like this. I hope so. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. Was horrible. So, I came across your study, which is very interesting. Um, over LinkedIn, you posted it, and Mm -hmm. um, it talks about like current advancements of modeling schizophrenia using patient-derived induced pluripotent stem cells. But before we discuss the study, which I'm really excited about. Um, I want to hear more about your journey, like career, and where are you right now, career-wise? What are you doing? How, why did you decide this? <laughs> this kind of interesting stuff. Oh, this question always makes me actually very nervous because I am, um, yeah, I call myself, I don't know if you can say it, special case, because uh, I lived already in five countries before I'm 30, and my career was not uh, the perfect um you know, this line when you start and you finish and you have a goal. Because actually, I am from Lithuania and uh, I graduated genetics bachelor's from Vilnius University. But uh, during my studies, I already was uh, uh, working in Berlin in Charité. 
It's a medical university there. And uh, I was doing my bachelor thesis there as well. So I graduated from Vilnius University, but I have a degree also in Charité. I wrote my thesis there. And then I was very, very lucky to have a supervisor. And I mentioned him, Dr. Helmut Peters. And he really like shaped up my career a little bit that I could go abroad because uh, in Lithuania, we don't have such a good uh, scientific funding or research. And it was nothing like stem cell to work with back in 2014 when I started uh, and I was finishing my bachelor's actually. And then I transitioned to work internship again in Charité in the Virtual Clinic. First time with the stem cells, I had a great supervisor and uh, I learned a lot. I was working with the kidney modeling back in the day. And uh, I also waitressed around. I did all the side jobs, was very hard as an immigrant in Germany. Um, was working literally till 3 a.m. in the morning and waking up at 8 a.m. going to the internship because they are usually unpaid. And uh, then I did a gap year and then I started my master's. I got in, in Charité, <laughs> funny okay. enough, and I studied molecular medicine for my master's. Uh, it was international program. It was really nice. Just 15, 17 people all over the world, everything in English which really helps when your German is not best. And yeah, and then I actually graduated and I started my PhD in Luxembourg to work with a human-derived microglia and model immunoresponse in Parkinson's disease. And uh, I was working with a human-derived midbrain organoids and uh, trying to integrate microglia in them was very nice, but after two years, uh, I realized that it was not for me, unfortunately, uh, because of some issues in academia, I guess, which are always pending, so to say, and also um, location-wise was not the best choice. And I actually restarted from the scratch, my current PhD, and I'm wow. going through, I'm going to make it. It was very, very hard. So that was all happening during Corona, nevertheless. I can imagine. And all the move, everything changed. So it was very difficult, but I'm super happy. Never adopted that decision. Super happy with my project. And I'm working on schizophrenia. And I work with the human embryonics themselves. I derive interneurons and I model the disease, which I absolutely love. So amazing. And, wow. Yeah. That's a very nice summary of uh, like the last uh, years and your uh, progress. So you're yeah, a, so... Genet a, a genetist by training? Like, uh, uh, yeah, like in bachelor's bachelor. and my and master's. You moved is... to Berlin and yeah. then um, the, you, you worked in Charité, which is like the biggest center in, 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 in Germany. Yeah, I love it. I, yeah. uh, Charité is. It's, it's good to do research in charity, but not to work as a medical doctor, I guess. But yeah, I know, but I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> so, <laughs> and else. then um, afterwards, went on to do a PhD. So there were like important people who like kind of uh, inspired you apparently to uh, pursue a career in in science, and I think this is yeah. very important. But yeah. then uh, you were faced with the harsh reality of the like uh, that sometimes the PhD does not go as planned. Yeah, and um, would you like to I, tell us more about this, or <laughs> uh, like what would, yeah. what went wrong? I mean, because uh, academia is um, 
yeah, it could be a really tough place. People think um, PhD students, they're like, oh, having like a nice life. And but um... I don't know who thinks that. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I'm not uh, trying to go against academia. Uh, mm. But since I also, uh, as a student, I worked in a consultancy company, which is industrial. I worked as a student, the best memories, and uh, also in Berlin. And uh, I, I have a little bit of comparison. And then when I started my PhD after master's, um, you know, you come with this kind of, yeah, it's just another step with my education. And I'm just going to have a degree because uh, many people after master's, they start a PhD uh, because either they don't have something else like they would like to do because to be honest be trained as a scientist with even the master's degree nowadays don't give you many options to further the career to find a job i feel like now we don't only need only the titles but we need all the extracurricular activities like uh, to be uh, engaged in every social network, like you are building this uh, image of being a scientist, being socially engaged, being like active on every channel and it's so exhausting. And uh, when I started my PhD, I thought also, you know, Luxembourg was great. I Since I did so much in Berlin and I got a position also a PhD in Berlin because I did my master's in Max Brook Center for Molecular Medicine. But I was like, okay, I already did so much. I'm here for five years. Why don't I do a change of environment? And Luxembourg project was super nice because for my master's, I was working with human-derived microglia. And uh, I was like, yeah, it's going to be just a nice build on on my master's. Um, and it's not so far. And I want to stay in Berlin afterwards uh, anyway. So it's going to be like, you know, a nice uh, challenge for me. And then in the end, it was, yeah, Luxembourg is really small. Like there are not a lot of people. And uh, it was very hard because when I came, I don't want to talk bad about anyone. Uh, but it was, you know, this kind of, when you come in, there is a competition that you never engaged in, but it was always there. And uh, they were just like going to the levels that people are, hiding that they're doing uh, some experiments and your projects are kind of clashing because most of the time everything looks perfect on the paper when you start you know your promise you know you're going to be working on this project and we are this far and this far and this far and then you start and actually the project was not going anywhere you are nowhere and you have to work on the same project with uh, several people who maybe not really want to share the project which is understandable because they were before you and they were struggling before you like several years and uh, sometimes it's just characteristic clashes and for me it was just enough and too much and also supervision uh, when you know when you are saying that it's not uh, what you expected and uh, you know there is some kind of a bullying as well in the lab going on and you talk to your superiors and uh, they are not responsive because also mm. they are not trained to manage people and they just want results in the end of the day and uh, also corona started so mm. everything together yeah uh, and the realization that PhD is really really hard and it's just 70% of the setbacks, you know, and uh, it's nothing what you expect. You are most of the time alone. 
you know, most of the time struggling and most of the time you don't get the support you maybe need, you know. This the is very is super uh, sad. <laughs> it, is, it is. This is very brave of you to kind of talk about openly. I know uh, how difficult it could be, but now that you moved and you left it behind you and now you're creating a, a, a different, you're pursuing, you're continuing. So it did not traumatize you to the point where you say, you know, I'm not going to do it anymore. And maybe there's oh. a different place where uh, this, I think this uh, is very positive and this is very valuable and um, it is very difficult. People have, they don't imagine like getting into a PhD is difficult. You need to be uh, very good at what you're doing here and very smart and very willing uh, also to work in it. And sometimes and also, as if said, I may say, you have to be very resilient. Very, very resilient. resilient. <laughs> very resilient. That's a very good point. <laughs> And uh, people, um, as you said, stumble into a PhD sometimes. It's it's very often that you don't know what you want to do, and then you you end up doing uh, a PhD. Um, and if you don't get the right um, um, like support and um, pursuing a project that that is difficult because because you're trying to figure out something that no one did before kind of you know like yeah. and you can't you, you can't do it alone if you can do it alone i mean um just we can everyone no, no one needs to go to university and that's the idea of collaborating but then if you don't have a collaboration in the lab itself and people are competing in the lab itself then it, it is a toxic environment and it's it's kind of better to be out of there and uh, maybe find some some place different because you care about the science that you're doing apparently and not just to get the degree and and uh, get out of there so amazing like this is um <laughs> i i salute you for it so and then but you stayed in the neuroscience like apparently you have an interest in neuroscience or like um yeah. brain 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 diseases like first yeah, parkinson yes and then now schizophrenia and yeah I, I, I love it what got you into schizophrenia then and like why why was it interesting for you um, I think like everything about human brain is interesting. And since I I always wanted to work in neuroscience because I think it's the most challenging in human brain and human disorders, human brain disorders, uh, because Parkinson's is neurodegenerative. So it's something that develops over the time uh, while we age. And schizophrenia is neurodevelopmental. So basically during the development, it starts already occurring already. We don't know the starting point. That's yeah, it's very elusive disorder, but, uh, and then it manifests, you know, in the early adulthood or late adolescence. So, you know, uh, but for me, it was always about the human brain and schizophrenia in particular, because it was like also an accident because I knew that I want to work with this themselves and uh, in vitro disease modeling and, uh, also, uh, schizophrenia is something that uh, it's not a lot of known about, but it's very detrimental disorder. It's usually uh, untreated or patients are not responsive. So it's something that we don't know mechanisms or we don't know the reasons why it occurs, why it develops, why some people are more sick than others. And uh, yeah, so it's something that it's hard. So you're and, motivated by mystery. Uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. And also uh, everyone... You know, there are so many people who work on Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and schizophrenia, I think, is just a little bit over underlooked because overlooked because 
it's so hard to work on because you mm. don't know what causes elusive, it. Right. Yeah. So but I like the um, like how you kind of categorize them as neurodegenerative and neurodevelopmental. Yeah. And neurodevelopmental yeah. disorders, like um, maybe the impact they have on um, society, is is really underestimated because it's like the prime years of the individual that uh, where you have schizophrenia, right? Like it manifests, it starts manifesting like twenty years old, maybe, and then up so to twenty-seven. 20, yeah, so until, more or less. So like twenty years it starts, and then until probably the symptoms like peak there's and then afterwards they kind of like stabilize at the age of 60 but but the individual is basically um out of the workforce right and during Uh, those years and it's not productive and and it's very sad and uh for the community so it's i think it is important to kind of understand more um what is going on and um so where where is like schizophrenia for you and like how how do you understand the disease from a like your point of view from a phd scientist who's researching that disease well uh like if we look what is schizophrenia and also in the review and um schizophrenia is neurodevelopmental disorder and it affects around one to two percent worldwide population which is kind of not a lot but a lot and actually um it uh, reduces your life expectancy around 15 years most of the patients uh, suicide themselves and also yeah as you mentioned before it's um they are not uh, usually able to work because you know there are symptoms as hallucinations and delusions and hearing voices but another batch of symptoms called negative symptoms are that people are depressed socially unengaged and uh yeah literally depressed and they don't want to uh, socialize with anyone so it doesn't help at all and actually uh, when they have the first psychotic symptom usually that's why when they are diagnosed they uh, go to the hospital and also it costs a lot for them costs a lot for society and also the lack of medication because we don't have the knowledge of the mechanisms of this disorder so no one can create a medication that would uh, that patients would respond and usually they are also not very good at following up with their medication so it's 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 just like a vicious circle and uh, in my PhD, um, actually, it's a collaboration with the Harvard University. So what we are looking at, we have the list of genes that mutations in these genes in the last few years were found being uh, detrimental. So being a really very high um, p-value, like a probability Significant. to significance nice uh, significance yes uh, that you would if you have a mutation in this gene there is almost 100 that you will have a schizophrenia so i'm working with this set of genes and basically we want to understand um if i would have a mutation in this gene what kind of other pathway gene pathway would be interrupted and if so what could medication could I create what kind of protein or in general that protein pathway I could target with a medication and we are going to this uh, idea that actually 
uh, as in cancer, as in every disorder, we just don't talk about it so much so far uh, that every patient is different. So for example, maybe in this uh, schizophrenia patient, this protein pathway is um, uh, defected and we need to target this kind of uh, protein to treat it. But maybe in this patient, there is uh, this protein pathway that it's uh, defected and we need to target actually this protein. And that's why so many patients are unresponsive to the current medication. Like only 30% of patients are responsive to the current medication which was created 60 years ago, uh, but nothing was done, not because of lack of interest, but just because it's so, so hard. But now the field is moving really, really fast forward because of uh, all this uh, whole exome sequencing and TVA studies, and we get so many knowledge of the genes that they are involved in schizophrenia, and that's really great. I think it's really, really exciting time to work on this disorder and on autism and bipolar disorders because, you know, they are all clash. Uh, they are all kind of clashing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, many mm -hmm. genes are connected. Some are really specific. Speci so, yeah, that's my question. Like, they share, like, uh, also similar genetic um, predisposition. Or... Yeah, we suspect that uh, some genes are shared between the disorders, like autism, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. But some genes, I cannot talk about autism and bipolar because I'm not working on that. But in schizophrenia, we have these 10 genes that uh, last year it was published by Singh uh, et al. And beautiful paper, and uh, I am actually working exactly on this data set. So basically, they are 10 genes only schizophrenia specific. So that's so exciting. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So um do you know when we started to recognize that um schizophrenia is a genetic disorder? Do you know the history of that or uh, uh let me think about it. I think uh in early two thousands because uh, before we didn't have uh, GVAS or whole mm. exome sequencing studies. And I think the first one started like in 2008, papers starting coming up. It's talking, really new. Um... Yeah, it's very, it's very, very new. And actually whole exome sequencing is just a few years Okay. New. <laughs> a few years, a few yeah, so years. Like, if you if you know the genes, then um those genes like create some proteins, and then yeah. if this pathway in specific patients, maybe not all the patients like have a, the pathway that is treated with the current medications that respond to the current medications. So as you said, then um yeah, personalized treatment kind of will be possible once you understand um yeah. the pathways that are that's um, a hope <laughs> disrupted um so where does the stem cells come in like uh in your stem cells uh so um you can always look at the when you model the disorder in humans you can go either so-called through animal models so have a rat on a mouse and then you try to understand the disease using their brain so to say and I work in vitro modeling, so I work only in the dish. And for that, I am lucky enough to work with the human stem cells. So basically, it's just like our pluripotent stem cells. They can differentiate in any germ layer. So they can become, speaking very simple, any type of cell you want. It's like so, a mother, mother cell. Yeah, it's a mother cell. And okay. uh, we have them. We buy them. Like we bought this line. It's... Medical kidneys, right? 
it's 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 based like on a on a on a line of uh, cells that was produced in 1960s uh, that's kid, uh, hex cells. I think you mean the hex cells. This is like a mm-hmm. never dying line, but this is not embryonic line. It's just okay. immortalized. I don't uh, want to I mean okay. it came from kidney tumor and they immortalized it and it always differentiates. Okay, so that's a different. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So stem cell is just like a basic cell, embryonic stem cell that can differentiate in any cell type. Usually mm-hmm. you get from inner cell mass when. The, at the blastocyst stage, so we know when you have your embryo just before that stage. So you okay. take it, you can take it from abortion, yeah, abortions basically, and you just um, differentiate the cell line, and they always uh, can become neuron, can become lung cell, uh, heart cell. That's uh, magic of the stem cell. That you That's can... the magic of the stem cells. <laughs> you so you can... put some like environment, and yeah, based on factors. this environment, factors you call it, and then it grows into a neuron. Yeah. So That's you have amazing. to look in the development, mm-hmm. and you can you have to read a lot, uh, and you have to know very good the uh, development markers in the human brain, and then you mimic those markers in a dish. It's it's a huge job because you have to adjust all the concentrations. You have to uh, play with the amount of molecules and when to put what. Um, so yeah, uh, that's even what the we time do. of the f- when you yeah, it's very the important. It's very important. So how long does it take for for you to move from a stem cell to get neuron, a neuron? Interneuron. Uh, uh, for our interneurons, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's inhibitor neuron, so it's a neuron. <laughs> uh, yeah, forty-two days. We have the days. protocol for 42 days. Yeah, it's long. Yeah. And then once you have your interneuron, what do you do with it? Like, uh... Yeah. So you can you can stain it. You can look, um, uh, as I say to my parents, you can look how colorful it is. So basically you can check what proteins, what markers it has on the surface, what does it express. Then you can extract RNA, which means you can check what genes your neuron express. And then you can keep growing it on the special different platforms or plates. And mm-hmm. what we want to do is to see how functional it is. Mm-hmm. So we want to put and measure electroactivity of my neurons. Mm-hmm. So, or you can do transcriptomics, which is very big thing now. So you check single cell, you know, single cell sequencing, you check uh, super, super detailed marker expression of your neurons. You can, you can do a lot, actually. That's, that's you can exciting. Check and how, and how does that um, link to the um, schizophrenia question? Um, well, uh, since schizophrenia, um, you cannot model schizophrenia symptoms in the dish, of course, neither you can model like so much in mouse, like you cannot model hallucinations on the cells or whatever, but you can model since schizophrenia, um, electroactivity is impaired. Certain patterns of electroactivity in our cells are impaired in schizophrenia patients. You can check all these patterns also impaired in yourself. So okay. that's what we also hmm. want to do. So the activity of the neuron itself then is yeah. different. Once there is a gene, um, there is one of the genes that are responsible yeah, for. Um, exactly. That is amazing. Okay, so um, so the when you say animal models like the mouse will, yeah. does not exhibit um, like 
schizophrenic behavior does it like, uh it, it it doesn't it doesn't it does? so okay. in mouse it's nice because uh when you know genetic pattern of schizophrenia what you what genetic pattern you want to model you can create a mouse i am not an um, animal specialist mm -hmm. but uh, you can have a genetic mouse model that recapitulates schizophrenia genetics very good so that's a very big plus of course you can model in mouse very nicely you can model behavior like you can model social behavior you can model if they are engaged to other mouse mice or they are not engaged with other mice which shows if they are so-called schizophrenic or not depression you can model you know how active your mouse is you cannot model delusions delusions or hallucinations mm, but like yeah. i think the mouse you can see if it's like depressed you put it in water and you see yeah. how long does it try yeah, because to survive actually, right yeah if they float or not because rats <laughs> love water so they should mm. they should go they should go ahead and if it doesn't move it's not a good sign for you <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right okay so if you want to be critical about your like methodology um mm -hmm. what, what would be the like the pros or cons of using the methodology that you're using schizophrenia? Um, yeah so probably it comes to you know uh that you know nor the animal model nor in vitro working with cells would would directly uh, tell you what's happening in the human brain for for knowing what's happening in human brain you have to work with a live human brain but it's unethical it's not possible uh, so yeah i mean you would like when you ha model anything in the dish in vitro you still would not have the same neuron as you have in the developed brain because you could never have the same environment because in our brain there are 70% of glial cells that are not neurons, so they are more than neurons. But then you have basically to have organoids, which are very good system. And I worked before that you can make it more complex, but organoids have another issues, you know, the dead core, uh, the connectivity, the, the environment, like, you know, they have other things that it's not very maybe good. So there is no in vitro system that it's perfect and that you can make direct conclusions you know that okay i got this neuron no probably you got somewhat a neuron that it's in the human brain which is maybe nowadays is the closest to what it is but in 10 years it won't be most likely because the technology changes the people people think so much quicker nowadays because we have so much more ways that we can be creative so the science is moving so so quick so what was uh, in textbooks 10 years ago 10 years ago it's not so you have to write and you have to be so much updated so basically i think that whatever technology we use now maybe in 10 years time it will be so much better so much quicker so much nerve saving so okay. <laughs> i hope so i hope so i think this is um yeah that's that's a very important uh, point that you mentioned um because and that you're aware of um, the limitations of the methodology that you're oh, using yeah. is very important for you, the success of the project. But then there's this question always when you think about schizophrenia um, mm -hmm. as um, a reality. I mean, this is, I, I guess not not part, but if if you want to like talk about it, because their reality is different. 
like when 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 we mention mental disorders and and in in certain cultures or like pre, pre previously maybe in like a history historical record maybe many figures who were maybe hearing voices were considered like uh, um like endowed with certain power powers <laughs> yeah exactly um so i think how how do you how do you kind of i'm interested to see how you think about about this um mm-hmm. i get your point reality and how is it different for other people maybe your reality the way you see your, the world probably is different than when i see the world oh that, that's that but that's a kind of a, like you know it's a perception we have all yeah. different perception i feel like the reality is if you become self-harmful like you harm yourself or you might harm yourself if your life quality is affected that you know you have these voices telling to kill yourself like schizophrenia patients do or like someone is following someone is You know, many people saw the movie, I really do hope, Beautiful Mind. And I think this movie shows very good of person dealing with schizophrenia. Of course, not many of us are John Nash that can beat the schizophrenia in a way and then can know when the voice is real. Most of us, we would not be so lucky, so to say. But if you harm yourself, if you are not happy to live, I think that's the sign that actually your reality might be a little bit harder than most of us. So, and what's normal? I don't know. Uh, you know, there are many um, debates if, you know, we should treat disorders such as autism because, you know, many autistic people, they are also genius in some way, but there are also many autistic people that they are not capable to do even like a small everyday task and they need a uh, social care or everyday care. So I think uh, then it's it's a line, you know, because actually there's that story. One of my friends, she's a psychiatrist and she works in the hospital and she works in schizophrenia and she actually works with the patients directly and she interviews them. And she said that it was super sad when very, very young teenage boy came, which is very unusual for schizophrenia. Usually it starts really around 20s, whatever, manifests not stars and he said that uh, he's been followed for a week and a few months later he killed himself he never came back oh, you know sad. i think uh, i think that's where you could draw the line yeah that is uh, sad of course yeah some people need help when it comes to mental diseases where i think that it's very tricky and elusive as you said it's very hard to identify and recognize even for the patient himself or herself, their reality. And maybe they don't know that there's something wrong going on with them. And um, that's where you need more education about the topic, more information, more communication from um, the scientists and uh, about the research, where it's done, where's the progress, where's the goal of it. And that's what you're kind of trying to do in this uh, great I think, podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. been lovely. I mean, you should not, uh, maybe we should go forward and start not stigmatize so much the disorders and also educate yourself a little bit. And also, I feel like maybe in general education system, I don't know, the focus should be also like a little bit different, like more 
receptive to different people but also it's hard it's hard because everything starts you know in the early age and school and then yeah. how can you tell the kids like how can like kids don't understand you can like they are scared of different like mm -hmm. if you are not how everyone is so we can not popular kindness i guess we can yeah teach you can kindness, teach kindness like, of like course. people be kind to each other be nice to each other I mean, but it's very um, hard because people are selfish. By PhD default. supervisors, be nice to your students. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> kind of. So, because, like, I don't know if you read the study, I think there was a study like 60% of PhD students end up suffering of some form of mental disorder. Uh, yeah, I, I read so many studies. I mean, I, I don't know because uh, maybe because I had two years of in the making to quit a PhD because. It was really hard. It's like, I never talked about it, actually. I never wrote even the post about it because I felt like I just kind of talked without tears for like a really long time. And I was lucky enough that my current lab mates, they accepted, they knew that I quit, but they never asked me like, oh, do you want to talk about it? Probably you don't. Because it's kind of like also stigmatized decision to quit your PhD Oh, what happened. You were like weak. Probably like everyone suffers and like, you know, all these generalizations. And I feel like, um, I don't know, being kind is, it's harder than it, it looks. I don't know. And it was two years. Yeah. This decision to, mm -hmm. to quit. It's, it's a, it's definitely a difficult decision to take and, uh, but be kind, not only to others, I guess. I mean, what helps us is to be kind to ourselves and yeah, it does. Um, just like, I don't know if, um, it's 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 really difficult because uh, uh, right now I'm, I'm I I think a lot about like because um, my PhD was in decision making but I'm also like interested in decision making in general and why we take our decisions and and I think a lot of it is uh, the way we're we're made and then the mm. environment we we kind of like blame ourselves for a lot of things but it is the way it is it is the way it's gonna happen and uh, certain things are structured in a certain way and then we kind of like living in a journey uh, that will take us somewhere and we want we need to enjoy the journey and um and not let it like uh, stop us from pursuing or fulfilling fulfilling our uh, kind of destiny or whatever that might be um <laughs> but it is definitely a difficult decision uh, that you take but you should not, I, I it's not my place to tell you anything but i think um you, you don't need to be uh to feel stigmatized or anything um no, no, i mean no. i know so many people but people don't speak about it and i no. i uh, that's the problem i guess people as they don't, don't uh, speak about it sorry uh maybe we can go back to a question about people 60 percent suffering from psychological things of species yeah, I, I feel like uh, it's because people are bullied. People don't get enough support because also managers, supervisors, they're not trained to manage people. Uh, also, they are not very empathic because there is this thing like you have to go and just do it and you have to suck it up and you don't have to do anything. Sometimes you are just not okay. And also like to talk about feeling bad, feeling off, it's like sign of weakness. Like everything I feel like in academia is a sign of weakness. And I don't even know where to start talking about people 
who come not from Europe and they want to do uh, research in Europe on US and they depend on the visa and then they cannot say anything to anyone because they are afraid to lose their permit and be sent back to a home country <laughs> and so many stories. You're talking, you you're talking to one. You're talking uh, yeah. to one who who went through this, who went through yeah. this, and and the supervisors think they're cute, uh, like trying to say things and uh, like, but it, they have no idea, like no. that they are talking about uh, your being, like you would not exist, like like literally in this place unless <laughs> if someone really understood what's going on. And, yeah. Um, and then they make sometimes they make fun of uh, like the heritage of people and uh, yeah and yeah. Uh, it, it's not cool it's not cool and um, yeah. and there's no support and sometimes there's also like those false promises which is even worse than uh, being blunt about like uh, okay we don't like you or we don't want you or those like false promises that okay and that finish this submit this paper things we, we will do that we will do this things oh, yeah. will happen no if no. It, no no if i think like one sign for phd student if anyone is watching this is um to see if your supervisor really invested in your project like yeah. uh, that really is a sure sign that your project will go on despite all the maybe interpersonal whatever politics uh, happening on in the in the department i think if the supervisor really invested in this project i want this project and then uh you're in a safe place um and it and it's sad sad thing to say but the publish and perish and the competition in in yeah. academia is really toxic very, and, very toxic um, it's not about uh, just how many papers you uh, published or if and because a lot of people out like a lot of PhD students would continue and do a great project, but the supervisor has no interest in it that um or they don't even want to understand it that they will never publish because just the supervisor has no idea or um like um is not interested anymore in the project. So um yeah, I think it's good for students to be realistic about where they are like uh, and see be smart and strategic about the decisions and once it's not working it's not working um maybe also um kind of um have a committee like if if you're in a, in a university i don't know what you think about that but like if there's a like a committee that are not dependent on each other and um a program that is independent that is kind of supporting your phd that sometimes I mean, most of us we we have it nowadays i mean uh, right. but i don't know i feel like uh, it's really hard for the students because you know you know that you will need a reference from your pi and you are free to make a relationship bad for stepping up or saying something because there is so many times that you know if you're lower in the hierarchy and hierarchy is so real in academia and if you're lower in the hierarchy uh, and someone higher up, maybe just hired, uh, can take all your work, all your credit, and you will just fuming, and your PI will give it because you know. Uh, let's just be honest: postdocs are much more valid than the PhD students because, but for the investment for your boss, it's much better to have a postdoc than the PhD student. And if the postdoc will take all the credit, 
PI would not care. And then OEG would not say anything to the uh, their supervisor because um, they are afraid to make the environment bad or they will not get the reference that they want to by the end of a PhD. And it's just like a vicious circle. And in the end, you just accumulate all the resentment. So it's just, I don't know. For me, this mental health and PhD is just like a general separate topic because yeah, it is, it's it it's a very deep problem that people don't talk about it, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. That's good. Good for us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this is kind of related. So, how do you define success? Mm. Success Um, depends if it's like personal success or is it more like work wise success? Because I try very, very hard. Uh, I'm not always very good at it, but I try really hard to separate my personal life from my work life. In PhD, it's very hard because your work becomes your life. The success in PhD means success in personal life, which doesn't make any sense. And failures in PhD also like you fail as a human being, you fail as a person, you did nothing but like such a bad work for whatever. And uh, if if you talk about personal successes, probably, you know, how good do you feel when something is not working at work? How can you manage to still feel good with yourself and don't have your all day or week or months ruined because of the setbacks or relationships at work. For me, that's success. Success to have my family, success to have my friends, success to have my, you know, the relationship, good relationship outside the work and good, just be good, you know, to take care of yourself, to go to gym, you know, to get this movement and uh, to, to travel, not to forget that there is, you know, this all life, outside the lab and at work of course is is when the experiment work when now you know there is this review that got published or a research paper is on the way or i don't know these small things or just we found something that would have help uh, the patient or the disorder that we are working on i'm working on you know that would be a success but mostly i'm focusing on being you know calm and you know just like that's my job and that's my life and i put my life first job someone else can do it if i quit (laughs) realistic realistic that is realistic um and it's also um that is a wise because um if you identify yourself with the work that you do yeah sometimes it gets dangerous and very very uh, (laughs) it can be dangerous (laughs) so you mentioned the gym what other things keep you going and uh i like travel i try mm-hmm. to travel uh i i'm from pg students who always stay holidays i mean uh, i know that many people that i know or knew before they are like i don't take holidays my project will go so bad i physically can't not take holidays i have this uh, uh 25 days a year and i'm i am taking it so i really like travel i like reading i read a lot uh, not work literature as well I like that and I don't know just a cultural culture you know go to the good art exhibition um, good I like uh, rollerblades when it's summer and it's not raining in Scandinavia which is not so often um, I do that mostly like I don't know just like you know these simple things honestly I don't have so much free time to be honest so 
Jim Jim is a lot. Jim is a lot. Jim helps. Jim helps. Like yeah. Yeah, every frustration you can see in my performance. The more frustrated I am, the The harder we hit the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. Because yeah, and so you you use all the time whenever there is sun, you're out there. I mean that. Yeah. In Scandinavia, we plan most of people. You can see if it's summer and uh, it's sunny people will finish work earlier and they will go outside they will go on the beach if they live close by the sea they will go outside because there are literally a limited amount of sun outside so the life surrounds the sun and i'm looking through my window and it's dreadful it's raining (laughs) still it is is so here it's great it's the great time of the year (laughs) yeah it's very depressing (laughs) i'm a little more like more south than you but still it is like this is the great time of the year so what's next for you research wise Um, and then phd wrap up uh wrap up my phd two years to go i mean it's pretty it's pretty clear uh, when I finish, I want to finish on time. I don't want to uh, have longer time. I think with this PhD graduation, I will graduate from academia altogether. It's a big, big step. Um, and yeah, I think. Uh, so I you're leaving know. academia? I yeah, that would be my goal. Um, and I, did you develop like skills that would be you think worthy outside of academia? I think so. I mean, you know, this all. I'm trans- sure you did. I'm sure you did. Because, <laughs> but this question you'll get from recruiters a lot because they will try to I kind so. of downplay the importance of uh, the skills that we acquire during the PhD, research, writing, managing. I think. Uh, I think during PhD, you know, you acquire a lot of time management, self management, relationship management, sanity management skills, so, so much. And uh, also all the courses in general, like all the human interactions you have, like, you know, all this, it's very important to have a good network or to create a good network. It doesn't have to be necessarily in your lab, it can be like, you know, in other lab, in the institute, just like have a little bit of few people that you can always talk to. It's also important. That's because, true. You know, that's true. And do you know, like, which in the industry you want to go to the industry or uh, writing? The, uh, no, not writing. Um, I feel like industry, um, consultancy. I consultancy. I still want to be in science. I mean, yeah. I see the purpose being in science for me. Awesome. I am also very now trained to. And you love traveling, so consulting would be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it would be a good career choice for you. Later. Maybe consultancy is a lot of traveling. It, like too much really. traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something in the middle. Yeah, in something the middle. in the middle. <laughs> we okay. will see, you know. People right. change in in few months, so it's so two you'll years be graduating still. in a year or in two least? years. In two years, okay. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, I'm super um, excited. <laughs> you're doing a great job. I really enjoyed our talk today, and Thank I, you so much. I learned Thank a you. lot about a lot of things like stem cells schizophrenia and like genetic models animal models for schizophrenia and this is really exciting work that you're doing i wish you all the best thank you so much much. and congrats on the paper i'll leave the comment uh, i'll leave like the paper um like the link to the paper for anyone who's interested in reading more about this research i encourage you to do so and uh yeah so thank you thank you so much for the invitation it was really lovely